do you need to change? Throughout the pandemic, behavioural scientists have played a key role in helping explain how people can be helped to change their behaviour. Fear and reward are two of the most powerful motivators. Usually fear stops us from doing something, and the promise of reward encourages us to take action. But it's not always that straightforward. Sometimes both are in play at the same time. That's what Jesus and his disciples face in today's reading. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's in Stonehouse. If we haven't met before, I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. You are welcome. Today in worship, I'm joined by Avril, who will read for us and lead us in prayer. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. He left that place and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honour, except in their own hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. A first homecoming gig is often a strange experience. Speaking in front of people who have known you since you were born is weird, especially if you've been away for a while and are invited back. Add some fame into the mix and you've got some potentially pretty difficult circumstances to navigate. In Jesus' case, There seems to be a mixture of local boy made good with a dollop of who does he think he is on the side when he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth to teach on the Sabbath. It's one of those things I suppose that we remember people how they were when we last saw them. Time might have passed but because we don't see someone we are often surprised when a few years later they don't look exactly the same as they did the last time. That can be even more difficult when they behave differently. Jesus begins to teach and people are astounded. Where did they get that wisdom from, they ask? They start to do what we all do. Rather than listen and learn and think about the message, they start to question the messenger. And look at what they say. Isn't this Mary's son? Boys were known as their father's son. To ask if this is Mary's boy is an insult and perhaps a dig about the rumours surrounding Jesus' birth. Those don't go away, even after 30 years. And anyway, he's a carpenter. What's he doing talking like this and doing the things he's done? Who does he think he is? And they took offence. 
It's somehow comforting to know that our time isn't the only place that people take offence when there's none to be had. It's one of those things that baffles me, where people go looking to be offended, or deliberately offend. But this isn't some spat on Twitter. This is a man who spent most of his life with these people and then left. And when he goes back, he's different. And they don't like it. Even when they know that he can offer healing, they don't like it. Even when they're amazed at the wisdom of his teaching, they don't like it. But they're not the only ones. Remember just a few weeks ago we read about Jesus' own family coming to collect him and take him home because they thought he had lost his mind. It's something I think we might all have experienced at some point. People who have known us in one particular way can't get their heads around how we could be something or someone else. Even our own families can find it hard to see us in a new way. So, it's probably not a huge surprise for Jesus that these people who have watched him grow up as an absolutely ordinary child who became a carpenter just like his dad, if Joseph even is his dad, they can't imagine how all of a sudden he's teaching them in the synagogue and doing it in a remarkable way. And in some ways, they're absolutely right. The inference of the story is that Jesus left. And that in itself's a big deal. People didn't leave. Firstborn sons in particular didn't leave because when their father died, they were responsible for everything. They became the head of the household. They looked after their mother. They made sure that the family business was kept going. And to leave was odd. One of the only ways to get out was to be discipled as a rabbi. And that hadn't happened to Jesus. If it had, then people wouldn't have been in any way surprised. They would have known that he'd studied and grown and they would have expected him to know the scriptures. Jesus' return is like someone who can't play a note or has never sung in public having a smash hit album. Everyone's just a bit bemused and probably a bit afraid. This kind of thing just doesn't happen, especially to people we know. It's amazing how closed we become it's amazing how close we can become to new things, especially when they come from sources we don't want to listen to. The disciples watch all of this and no doubt start to wonder. This is the first time that Jesus has faced this level of opposition. It's a real setback and now he's going to have to rethink his plans. The disciples' wondering doesn't last long though, because the next thing Jesus does is send them out in pairs on mission. I often wonder how they felt. To have just watched Jesus be rejected in his hometown by the people who knew him best must have been pretty disheartening, but Jesus sends them out with pretty strict instructions, mostly what not to take. He sends them out to do what he's just done. Go out and heal people, drive out demons and tell people the good news and take nothing with them. No extra clothes, no money or food. But why? If you're going on a journey, it's sensible to take provisions to plan ahead and make sure that you'll be okay if anything happens. The clue as to why is in what Jesus asked them to do, to cast out demons and encourage people to repent. Remember, repent means to change your way of thinking. And to do that, you have to be able to see what the change looks like. When we look at Jesus, it's easy to be inspired. It's not hard to see why people were attracted to him and his message. He can do things nobody else can do. He says things that are meaningful and make people stop and think. But it's also easy to see how you could get really dispirited by that too. 
Of course Jesus can do it. He's the son of God. And that's a real problem. I think it's a problem for the disciples and for the people around them, for the people of Nazareth and, and, and even still for us today. We talk about trying to be a bit more like Jesus. But to be honest, I'm not sure that we imagine that in our best days were anything close to that. And that's where the whole thing could fall apart. A miracle man that talks about things that nobody could ever manage. So Jesus gives the power to heal and drive out demons to the disciples. And that changes everything. These are ordinary men with absolutely no divine parentage, no skills or knowledge beyond what they've seen and heard from Jesus. And they're sent out to change hearts and minds. They're sent out to join the battle against evil and to do it relying completely on God. We hear people talking about committing fully to something. That could be a relationship or a golf swing. It's about mindset. I won't go about this in a half-hearted way. I'll bring everything I have to this. I'm all in. And that's important. Because why would you ever want to know about something that I'm not convinced about? Why would my lukewarm recommendations make you want to change your way of thinking? You need to see that it matters to me. You need to be convinced that I'm convinced. For you to repent, to change your mind, you need to see that it's possible for you. There's a phrase that's become popular when we talk about aspiration. You can't be what you can't see. People find it hard to imagine something they've never seen. That's why it's important to see people like us, like all of us, being represented in the stories that we see. The disciples were like that. Fishermen and tax collectors, political activists and guys that were sitting under a tree in the middle of the day because nobody had picked them to work. People like you and like me, with all our flaws and faults, all our gifts and abilities. And Jesus is realistic with them. Some people won't want to know. You saw what happened to with the people that knew me. It'll be the same for you. And that's important because we don't deal well with failure and we are mostly terrible at criticism. We cling to the negatives way more than we will ever accept the positives. The disciples need to know that it's okay just to walk on, to shake the dust from their shoes, and so do we. Mission is often described as finding out where God is at work and joining in. That's what the disciples do. And we're called to do the same. So go. Nobody's pretending it's easy. No one is saying that it will go well all the time. But as you go, know this. You don't need to take anything with you. You already have the only thing that you need. Because God's love goes with you. I speak words of wisdom inspired from above If I fathom the mysteries of life And my faith moves a mountain But I don't have love I'm as dead as a river run dry So I will remain in the love of my life Yeah.
Let us pray. Gracious God, you have given us a perfect model of leadership, not in the mighty kings of old, however exciting their stories might have been to tell and hear. The model for us and for all our living is Jesus, the king who rode a donkey, the master who washed his servants' feet, the one who refused to fight his enemies, but tried the radical experiment of loving them instead. God who wants this world to be as close as possible to the kingdom of heaven. We give thanks for those who enter high office for all the best of reasons, to help others, 
to establish justice and fairness, and we grieve for the pressures that so often make them compromise or give up altogether. We give thanks for all that is good in our own land and for all the many freedoms we enjoy. May that never make us complacent. May we never, as Christians, pretend that the murky world of politics is not our concern. We give thanks for all who work, for peace and unity in our world, and we ask your blessing on all they do. We pray for those whose lives have been and still are being devastated by war, victorious or defeated. Everyone loses when the fighting and killing begins. We give thanks for those who not only preach a gospel of love, but who live by Christ's example, putting other people's needs above our own, valuing those whom others fail even to notice, refusing to return hatred for hatred, but steadfastly living by your law of love. We pray for the church that bears Christ's name, but which so often lets him down. When we worry about declining numbers, remind us that weakness for you is strength. When we stress about what we should be doing, remind us that all you need us to do is to trust. When we look to those who seem to be successful and want to be more like them, turn our eyes upon Jesus and make us more like him. So may your people become what we are called to be, his living presence in the world, loving and serving in his name, until his kingdom come. Amen. God, our rightful ruler, our one true Lord, teach us how to lead, how to unite, how to serve, with love and humility. Send us out with the blessing of God Almighty, creator, source and spirit, today and always. Thank you.